When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to do a, uh, I guess it's time to do a Cubs podcast. With me is Kyle Reichert. Sam Fells is on assignment, or vacation. I guess vacation. He assigned himself a vacation. So Kyle, how are you? Doing good, Andy. Uh, just sitting here toasting to the end of the Jack Peterson era and having my moment of silence. How are you? Yeah, well, yeah we had to do an emergency Jack Jones has been traded uh, podcast because... I mean, it's the biggest news they're going to have uh, all year. Um, it was nice to see Bob Nightingale declare that this is the Cubs waving the white flag. You know, when you trade your best player, Jack Peterson, you're clearly giving up. That's too bad. So what was your favorite moment of the Jack Peterson era? Ooh, probably the, the leadoff home run on that Friday night game against the Marlins, which, as I said to Andy beforehand here, was the first and last game that I will attend this 2021 season. Um, I actually attended the Friday and Saturday games that weekend and saw the Cubs lose 21 to three and collect five hits. Um, so that, that's my one highlight. There was one moment of optimism when Wrigley was alive and electric and Jack put one in the bleachers. And we all thought for a second that maybe we would have something to watch in August. Yeah. I, I think for me it was his uh, Cactus League MVP campaign. I mean, he was amazing, just like just like uh, Henry Blanco back in 2007 or whatever it was. Um, yeah, and it's funny. So Mike Pusateri from uh, he's on he's on this podcast, but he's not on this podcast because uh, he lives in LA half the year. He's a uh, he, he knows a lot of Dodger fans, and they love Jock mostly because Jock was amazing in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. So every time Jack would get hot, Mike would be like, see, here he is. This is the Jack everybody loves. The problem is, uh, that didn't happen very often. No. So, uh, yeah, but like I said to you right before we came on, another a tip of the cap to the Braves. They lost Ronald Acuna Jr., their best player, and then just a few days later, they get a better player in Jack Peterson. That's amazing. I don't know how they did it, but congratulations. So it's funny that so their outfield has been decimated by uh, um, an ACL and a domestic uh, violence uh, thing. That's um, maybe they shouldn't be trading prospects to try to prop up this club. But yeah, uh, so the Cubs got a guy who it's too bad Manscaped is not still a sponsor of the podcast because oh, man. this the guy they got Bryce Ball, his nickname is Ball Bunyan. And there's nothing that can treat ball bunions better than the lawnmower 4.0. Oh, no, that's, not, that's right. That's not it. Um, so you, like me, whenever there's a big trade and we want to know uh, how the Cubs did, we've got to head over to Bleacher Nation. Uh, Absolutely. For a highly analytical thing. And uh, what did, what did uh, uh, Bert Taylor say about this, about the return? Uh, it was enormous. Well, yeah, he had a pun about his, uh, yeah, his ball sense. bunion is 6'6", 490 pounds. Um, jarringly, what was it? Jarringly good it? return. Yeah, jarringly good return. A uh, guy who's hitting 207 in Class A. But that's fine. Now, to be fair, and I like to be fair, um, you know, like like everybody else, uh, Ball Bunyan lost an entire year of development last year, although he was at their uh, alternate site. Um, I read where mostly he was working on his defense because he's a converted, I guess, outfielder to first base. 
Um, that should be the easiest conversion. You would think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's 6'6", 240. Um, in his one full season in the minor leagues, here were his numbers. Uh, he hit 329 with a 395 on base, a 628 slug for a 1.023 OPS, uh, 17 homers, 52 RBIs. So uh, that's pretty good. It was also two years ago. And whatever happened, the Braves are like, yeah, y- you guys can have him. Uh, this year, struggling, um, he's at Rome, which is high A. So they did have him skip low A. Uh, 207 with 354 on base. That's fueled by 40 walks in 169 at-bats. So that's pretty good. He walks a quarter of the time. And he st- strikes out a lot, 59 times. But if you're going to walk 40 times, I guess we can kind of excuse that. Six homers, 30 RBIs. So basically, you're going to be shocked... We have no idea what they got. Well, uh, according to Jim Bowden, they've um, found their replacement for Anthony Rizzo. So I guess we got that going for us. So Jim either thinks that the the 22-year-old is going to make the jump from high A to the big leagues, or Anthony's going to sign a five-year contract extension, and then Bryce Ball will take over at first base. It's got to be one or the other. So, it's funny, if you listen to the last one of these podcasts, we haven't done one in a while, it was June 2nd, um, Sam, who is, uh, <clears throat> maybe, I don't know, do you think he's a little bit of a pessimist, normally? Just a little bit? That doesn't sound like Sam. Um, all three of us were like, yeah, the Cubs are good. Holy crap. Amazing. They're really, really screwing the rickets, and this is going to be great, and we love them, giving it to them, and... Uh, so on that day, when we finished taping, the Cubs were beating the had beaten the Padres uh, in an afternoon game, and were uh, thirty-two and twenty-three. They were a game and a half up, and um, then they headed off on their ill-fated West Coast trip, um, where they immediately lost three or four to the Giants, and then they lost the opener to the Padres, and we thought, oh. Very bad. They'd fallen in the second place, half game back. But then they went on a five-game winning streak. You know, uh, they beat you, Darvish. And uh, Tommy Nance was up with his, you know, gyro ball, whatever it was. They went five in a row, and everything was all good. And since that, the end of that five-game winning streak, the Cubs are... Hey, he don't make me do math on the podcast. Six and eighteen. Is that good? Seems bad, but yeah, what do I know? Bad. Nestled in the middle of that is was an eleven game losing streak. The what did we decide that was? That's the that's the fourth longest in Cub history. But the longest is only fourteen games. So they got pretty close. And, um, yeah, Huey and I talked about it on Remember This Crap podcast. Uh, it was very reminiscent of the 1985 Cubs, who obviously went to the playoffs in 1984, almost went to the World Series. They were in first place for much of the first half. And then when uh, they had a 13-game losing streak. Jesus. That uh, plummeted them, I think, to fourth place, just like the Cubs. This current team fell into fourth. They're currently tied for third with the Cardinals. And that was the end of that. And this felt a little like that. The 85 Cubs did not immediately trade off Rick Sutcliffe and uh, Dennis Eckersley and Ryan Sandberg. Uh, But they did eventually trade off Dennis Eckersley. But they also got really bad. So um, current Cubs have now traded Jock Jones. And we'll try to recover from that. I feel really bad for the guys. I can't imagine going in that clubhouse tomorrow, having to face the guys without Jock. But they'll they'll soldier on. All right, so I know you've got a thing you want to talk about, but I wanted to start here with um, a little game of... I don't even know what to call this game. Um, how about... Is he going to be traded? That's a good... That's a great yep. game for it. 
So I thought we would run through the uh, prime suspects, and then you and I will decide if the guy is if he's actually going to get traded um, or not. Why we think that, and um, I don't know whatever else comes up. Maybe we'll even find good homes for our favorite Cubs. That'd be uh, nice. So the first guy, well, I guess <clears throat> we get, here's an easy one: Jock Peterson. Is he going to get traded? Yes. You know what a perfect fit for him I think would be the Braves. There. See how easy it is? Makes some sense, yeah. So the Braves are getting uh, a 230 hitting outfielder uh, with a 718 OPS. Nearly league average. Going to miss him. So uh, another easy one, I think. Uh, Craig Kimbrell. Is he going to get traded? Resounding yes. So I've... I hypothesized this, and then I saw others after I did, uh, because it's, I think it's pretty obvious. I think he is the most valuable commodity that's going to get traded at the deadline out of from, out of of any team. I can see that you consider just postseason impact by on its by itself. Yeah, yeah, especially when you think about how many teams like oh, anybody can use a closer, even if you have one, you can use another yep. one. And he's he's been awesome. As terrible as he was a little more than a year ago, where we all thought they were just going to have to dump him. He's amazing. And he has he has an, a team option for next year. So that opens it up to a, even a bigger pool, because if you're a team who has an immediate need for a closer and has a longer-term need for a closer, you trade for Craig again for this year and again for next year. But if you're a team who has a need right now and say he doesn't want to pay Craig Kimbrell next year, you trade for him, and then in the offseason, you trade him, and you recoup some of what you got. Now, it's the same theory that Bob Nightingale had for Jack Peterson. He said one of the reasons the Braves traded for him when they did was if they don't get back in the race, they'll just trade Jack. Oh, of course, because he's going to have so much more value in two weeks. Hard to see the flaw in that logic, if you ask me. Um, So... You could pretty much. You, I think you could literally make a case that any that every team that's in the race in either league could justify a trade for Craig Kimber. Absolutely. Um, so my theory was I've changed a little bit. My written real theory, my original theory was a the guy he would appeal to the most would be the the A's. Uh, yep, hundred percent. They could use a closer. Billy Bean would look at this as a plus because they're going to get him. They're going to use him. They're going to make the Cubs pay as much. They're going to squeeze as much of the salary out of him as possible. Make the Cubs pay as much of what he's owed for the last two months, and then they're absolutely going to trade him in the offseason. But another team that fits that to a T are the Rays, who have a good bullpen, but could but also like to use as many relievers as possible, especially in playoff games. They could do the same thing. They trade for Craig. They throw him in the mix with their other relievers. And then in the offseason, they trade Craig. So I think it could very well be either of those teams. All right. So, yeah. So he's – Craig's gone. We know that. Craig's gone. Um, all right. Much to his dad's chagrin. What do we think about Chris Bryant? I mean, I think he's as good as gone. I mean, it, I'm, we've – beating the horse to death all right like it's absolutely ridiculous but i mean it just doesn't make any sense they've clearly given no indication of being serious about signing him long term it's like i mean hard to be more like talk about super utility like the ben zobris of you know 10 years ago or whatever it was like the ultimate super utility is the mvp that plays five positions yeah. well right so the crazy thing about this is the cubs can offer him they can look at any team who needs a third baseman <clears throat> or a first baseman or a left fielder or a center fielder or a right fielder and they're like, here's your guy. Uh, can you think of a good reason at this point not to trade him? I mean, unless they somehow think they can patch things over in the next four months, which seems far-fetched and um, ambitious. But See, here's where, the, here's where I think I think the Scott Boris thing actually takes that out of play. Uh, bear with me. For I agree. I think in a positive way for the Cubs, if they really had the balls to pay him, I think because you can appeal to Boris on a, you know, I don't know what level. 
I think even if you wanted to keep him, I think you could trade him. I think you can go yeah. to Boris in the offseason and go, we're just going to make the best offer. And we want him. We miss him. We missed his musk when he wasn't around. And you get the guys you traded for him and you get him. Now, they're not going to do that. No. But I absolutely think they could. I think the a prime example of a team that screwed it up, that meant to do it but screwed it up, were the post-Theo Red Sox with John Lester. Yeah. And Lester talked about it. He said when he was in his last year with the Red Sox, he thought for sure he was going to re-sign, probably give him a discount, and he was going to re-sign. And they traded him to the A's in one of those Billy Bean trades where he had no intention of keeping the guy. He was just going to – he needed him for the stretch run. Yep. And what John said was once he got to the A's, he realized – because he'd never known anything but the Red Sox. He realized it's not that hard to change teams. It's really not. Baseball's baseball. There's – there's guys to hang out with in any clubhouse. And he was more open to signing with somebody other than the Red Sox because he had been traded and saw what the, you know, got to see how the other half lived. Where he's pretty sure that had they not traded him, he would have simply re-signed with them. And they tried to re-sign yeah. him. Yep. They wanted to bring him back. That was They wanted to roll this him and get prospects for him and then just grab him and bring him back. Um, I think a guy you might run the risk with that is Javi. I think if your plan is to lowball Javi and try to keep him, um, you better hang on to him. Because if you trade him somewhere and he goes over there and he realizes it's not so bad, then the attraction um, of I've never played for anybody but the Cubs and I really don't want to leave, you kind of punt that. I think Javi has a... Uh, obscenely large, likely to be regretted contract with the Reds or Marlins in his future. That just feels right. Yeah. I propose for him, and I still think I would do this if I were the Mets. If I were the Mets, I would trade for him to, and play him at second base the rest of the year yeah. next, to, next to his buddy, uh, Francisco Lindor. Um, Javi's going to want to play shortstop, so he's pr- yep. 99% he's going to leave. But you're in the pennant race. It gives you elite defense up the middle. He's going to hit a bunch of home runs. He's already been an NLCS MVP. I mean, he can go on a, if he goes on a hot streak in the middle of a playoff run, you're golden. Uh, the Mets won't necessarily need him to carry their offense. I think that would uh, be a smart move. But you're right. I think the, the it does kind of smell like a Marlins thing, doesn't it? Like it does. Derek Jeter's like, all right, let's do it. We'll move Jazz Chisholm to second. We're going to have this awesome. And then they're uh, six months into it, they're going to be like, oh, man, what the fuck do we do that for? Two hundred fifty million for this. Oh, another thing I want to talk about with uh, with Bryant though was I think if you're, um, I think if you're a team who thinks we'd really like to get Chris Bryant in the off season, that you could. This is exactly opposite of what I just argued, which is great. I think you could Scott Rowland him. So I don't know if you remember this, when the Phillies were trading Scott Rowland, the Cubs were kind of interested. But they were like, ooh, he's going to be a free agent. We'll just wait. And the Cardinals went and got him with the idea that we're going to wine him and dine him for two months in dog patch. And we're going to end up with the inside track to re-sign him. Because our fans are going to love him because he's a big white boy. They're going to think he's just the greatest thing ever. He's going to love it here. And it worked. And Roland even said... I don't know that I would have really considered the Cardinals, but I played there for two months, and I thought, this is not a bad place to play. Um, so I do think, if you're a team that isn't sure you can interest Chris Bryant, you might have the added incentive to go get him now and basically show off how great it is to play on your team through the rest of the... A team I think that could take advantage of something like that might be like the Giants. Sure. Because they're... I don't know how they're good... Honest to God, I look at no, that no, roster. No. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know how they've scored a single run this year. That offense is so bad. But they score, and they could pitch, and they're really good. That, yeah, that usually helps. Um, I doubt that's a team he's going to give much of a sniff to. But you get him out there in the middle of that pennant race, and maybe he's going to look at that park and go, oh, this sucks. I don't want to bat. I don't want to hit here halftime. Dad, what do you think? <laughs> is the park too big? Um. But that might be a team that does it with an eye on, we know he'll be useful for us this year, and then maybe we can convince him to stay. All right, so that was 
So that was Chris. Well, let's do Javi then. Javi bias. Javi, same thing. I mean, I think, yeah, he's as good as gone too. And I think it's exactly that. It's a team like the Mets or someone like them um, taking a bit of a flyer for a, whatever, two months here and, uh, you know, maybe sees the bright lights in New York and decides he, he likes out there as well. I mean, that was always the, that was always the like 20, like 14, 15 ish kind of talk, right? Like Javi for one of the stud starters or whatever, or something like Jacob that. So, I mean, I guess the tie. Yeah. They can still do that. They can still do that. Oh, may as well try and find out. Can't hurt <laughs> to ask. They'll be like, Oh, how'd you like Matt Harvey? So you don't even have him anymore. Well, we can get him. <laughs> we could get him, and then we could trade him for Javi. What do you guys think? No, we're not going to do that. Um, I'm a little less confident <clears throat> on the Javi thing. I can see the Cubs being like, um, we didn't get blown away with an offer for Javi, and we want to keep we we'd like to to um, we'd like to keep our options open. This whole idea that. Teams aren't going to offer them for these players better than what they can get with the compensatory pick. That had better be laughable. That's yeah. like what? That's like the 35th pick in the <laughs> first round? I would hope you can get something that's a little more known quantity than that and not make it worth giving up the uh, fabulous uh, compensatory pick. I do wonder with Javi if, like, how much his, like, the swings, like, his volatility, like, just his swings and productivity will impact his value, like, how teams view that. Yeah. Well, and and a, and a normal year, you would sell it on the fact that yes, he's streaky at the plate, but he's an amazing defensive player. Well, no, it's been a weird year because he still makes yeah. the amazing plays, but he's been he's been throwing routine ground balls into the stands, so that gets a little scarier. Uh, he is still the only, the first player in baseball ever to steal first base, so you got that going for you because he can do that whenever he wants against the Pirates. So yeah, I. If you made me, if you made me say if he's going to trade or not, I would say yes. He's probably going to get traded. Right, I, yeah, I would not I mean, be. He's one I would not be surprised if, whatever time on the, th- I don't know. It's it's funny. The trade deadline is the thirtieth, because it's a Friday. It's like really the league office Friday. needed Saturday off. They couldn't process the trades. So yeah, it's the thirtieth this year. Did um, not know that actually. <clears throat> you watch the Cubs won't remember that. <laughs> So they'll be like, all right, guys, let's get everybody's best offer. And then tomorrow morning, we're going to make all the decisions. And everybody's like, Cubs didn't make any trades. And Judd's like, wait a minute, what happened? Oh, that was today? Ah, uh, shucks. All right, so. Uh... What about. Here's a doozy. What about Zach Davies? Oh, God. Um, pull these numbers out. I mean, let's see here. He's, let's see, rocking a 4.37 ERA with a 4.87 FIP, so not fluky at all. I mean, he's made 19 starts, so I guess if you need, like, if if you're a team with a decimated rotation and need someone to eat innings, I'm not totally sure who that would be. Like, maybe it makes sense for, like, another Blake ball or whatever type not even that yeah i mean i could see a team it's funny because the padres have had injuries there have been people have been like well maybe they'll just trade back to the padres for, yeah for a you know a, somebody from 20 to 30 in their system it's like ah, the padres are one of the padres like, yeah we had we've we've seen that movie yeah we're all set um but the, for me the craziest number is so he's only given up 86 hits in 92 innings You're like oh that's pretty good but he's walked 48 guys which for you know, a supposed controller says not good. Well, he's got 48 walks. He only has 59 strikeouts. He has he only has 11 more strikeouts and walks. That's crazy. Good. Yeah, for a control pitcher. Yeah, because like by comparison, Kyle <laughs> Hendricks, who he's supposed to be like, um, he's like dollar store Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks 80 strikeouts to 20 walks, and then even Adbert 81 strikeouts to 22 walks. I mean, Trevor Williams has 31 more walks than 30 more, 31 more strikeouts and walks. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about old Zach. Ryan Tapera. Yep, gone. Bag of balls. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would trade him 
I wouldn't I wouldn't try to wring too many appearances out of him before I traded him. Yeah, exactly. A little little concerned about Ryan's numbers post Spider Tack. Yeah, they should have if they would have just made these moves pre Spider Tack ban, could be talking a lot differently right now. Oh hell they'd have got um think of what they could have got for Tommy Nance. Oh yeah. They got the they got the top six players in their farm system for him. I don't think that was enough. <laughs> Andrew Chafin. Same boat as Kimball, I'd imagine. Obviously not to that level, but I mean, no contending team can ever have enough, you know, bullpen yeah. depth down the stretch here. It's funny because I think he has, for a mill reliever, he's got about as much value as anybody in the league right now. I could see him being, for someone, what the Cubs thought, uh, what's his fuck, uh, Justin Wilson, Justin Wilson. Would, yeah. was going to be in 2017 yeah. when they made that move. He has a he has a mutual option for next year at five and a quarter. He's only making two and a quarter this year. So uh, whoever picks him up, I would guess is going to say nah on the on to the. Uh, but what, saying he's got about as much value as any middle reliever. You're going to find out middle relievers, even though everybody needs them, they don't have a lot of value. You don't get. A I lot mean, of yeah, because like, and like you can. It's probably the easiest, like part of a roster to, you know, augment supplement. I, and I think why. the biggest problem with it is their their performance is, and Justin Wilson's a perfect example of this, their performance varies so much. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go trade for a middle reliever who's doing really well, and then they're ass for the rest of the year. And middle relievers, a lot of them are, have these huge swings from season to season. And so it's like, well, yeah. I can't give you, I can't give you a lot for this guy, but I can give you something for him. That's what the Cubs are going to get. Uh, what about Rex Brothers? Oh, God. He's still on the team. Um, I mean, if they can get anything at all, I mean, he's gone. But, I mean, what what on earth are you getting for Rex Brothers? It's funny because if you, if you only look at his numbers, like they need a team, they need to trade him to a team that fired all their scouts. <laughs> and you just like, you just send over his stat line. And they're like, ooh, man, 53 strikeouts in 32 innings and only 18 walks. And only 19 hits? Oh, that's pretty good. And then you watch him pitch, and it, you feel like he's never going to throw a strike to a right-handed batter, ever. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's been up in a count since. You can't bring him in with runners on. No. You can't bring him in with a one-run lead. No. Um, you can't have him pitch to consecutive right-handers because he's going to walk at least one of them. Other than that. Yeah, other than that, he's great. He's he's your guy because he throws really hard, and he was good eight years ago. Literally, has had good years eight years apart. Uh, how about the right-handed version of Rex Brothers, Dan Winkler? Dan Winkler was he a victim of the spider tack crackdown? No, I think he's a victim of of sucking at baseball. Team stopped swinging at it, as I yeah. think what he was a. Because he's always had good stuff, and the Braves were the first team to go, all right, no, I cannot watch this shit anymore. This dude walks in out of the bullpen, it's 3-0. and It's, and it was weird bug eyes and that terrible little Lord Fauntleroy haircut. It's it's not working, Dan. Uh, let's see, who else we got here? Let's go back to the offense. Uh, what about Eric Sogard? You think some team need a scrappy little... A utility infielder slash uh, epidemiologist. I mean, I feel I feel like it's a trade deadline tradition for the last what you know three, four, or five yeah. years over here that Sogard gets traded. So I mean, it's, I guess it's the Cubs' turn. And usually to, to the Brewers. The usually to the Brewers. Yes. So, so here's here's a deal I think should happen. I think the Reds should um, promise the Cubs. Said, so, all right, here's here's what we want. If you can successfully trade Eric Sogard to the Brewers in the offseason, we will trade Nick Castellanos back to you for nothing. You give the Brewers Sogard, we will catch them, and we'll go to the playoffs again. And it'll be worth it to us because Nick has an opt-out. We're just going to say, we're just going to trade you back to the Cubs. So all Jed has to do is work out any kind of deal with the Brewers to get Sogard back. I think that's the route to go. I can't believe Jed hasn't thought of that already. Jed, I know you're listening. That's free advice right there. Ian Happ. 
I mean, again, who the hell is giving you anything of value for that guy? The the time to trade Ian Happ would have been right before he fouled the ball off his face last year. Or because he's been terrible since 2017. Yeah, and that's like not to go on a rant. I'll do that later. Like this, the front office was so steadfast in holding on to all their position players post 2016, really, that they never even entertained the idea of a you know an Ian Happ package for. I mean, it's ambitious, but an Ian Happ. Addison Russell at the time probably could have gotten you a Christian Yelich at, in twenty post twenty seventeen, and they just never would have entertained it. I I will go to my grave, convinced that if the Cubs had called Jeter and said, "We want Yelich," we're going to start our offer with Albert Elmora, that Jeter would have done it. They would have worked. They would have been able to work out a deal for him because absolutely. Because at the time, people still thought, "Ooh, Albert, here's a guy. He's he's gonna he's gonna grow into his power. He's gonna learn yep. to take more pitches. He's already an elite outfielder." Now, if any team should have known all that was bullshit, it was the Cubs. Oh yeah, they saw him every day. I mean, they watched him run to first base, and it took an hour and a half. They saw that um, he caught everything he got to in the outfield, but he didn't get to that much. They also should have seen that he still had no clue. He never wanted to get to two strikes. That's why he swung at so many pitches. He didn't want to strike out. And they clearly just, they were either too full of themselves as we're going to, we can develop Albert or just in denial about their, their first number one pick. Oh, this guy's great. And we're just going to hang on to him. And then they got nothing for him. Nothing. They did the same thing with Schwarber. Yeah. I mean, they could have traded Schwarber how many times? Oh God! Yeah. And it's fine if you're gonna hang on to him, but then if you're gonna hand, we gotta hang on to him. And they didn't. They're like they just let him walk. They were afraid to give him a qualifying offer. They just yeah. let him go. It's yeah. They also, if you want to get really, you don't think they knew Addison was a dirtbag? You don't oh, think they could have gotten out from under that? They knew he was a dirtbag. Made, made, made somebody else deal with that shit, and they didn't do it. Yes. Yeah, when we get to that part. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, so many good guys here, like uh, David Bodie and Matt Duffy, P.J. Higgins. All oh, P.J.'s on the 60-day DL. We can't. Honestly, position player-wise, I mean, the guy you'd love to trade is Hayward. You can't. But he's he he not only has a no trade, his contract by itself would be a no-trade clause because nobody's going to pay that shit except for the Cubs. So you're stuck with him for two more years after this. Um, like, what about Jake Marisnik? Is he still banished to the bench for some apparent reason? Or is he allowed to play again? Yeah, he's not one of... He must not be one of Rossi's guys. I mean, I guess if... I feel like they're. I feel like teams are always in the market. I mean, the Cubs have been plenty of times for a, a speed outfielder guy this time of the year to, you know... Pinch run later, or whatever. I mean, so, if the not? idea is I, the only <laughs> way I, you could, def, to me, you could defend keeping him is after the deadline. Actually, starting right now, you're going to make him the center fielder. You just want to see what the hell you got. But what runs counter to that is he's 30 years old. He's 30. So, unless you think you're going to contend next year, what's the purpose? Why are you, why are you trying to see what you have in Jake Marisnik? It doesn't do you any good. You might as well trade him to somebody who wants needs an extra outfielder. So I think you got to trade him. Yeah, and I mean there should be plenty of plenty of bidders out there for a you know fourth outfielder speed type guy like that. I mean you're not going to get a ton, but you're going to get something. Uh, I think that's about it. Oh no, we missed. There's one big name I haven't mentioned. It's funny because I see him on the pitching list because I went by it. Um, Anthony Rizzo. Oh man, I mean, no, I think it's uh, Matt Clapp at the Blog Vines on on Twitter, who often one of my favorite follows, who often has alluded to Rizzo, like just value wise, um, saying that the value he brings to the team is far greater than what he would likely bring bring, bring back in a trade, just given the nature of the position he plays. Um, and how easy it is to find relatively decent value at first base. I mean, I just I don't see it making a ton of sense. But at the same time, like it's similar. It's like if they're not gonna if they're not gonna extend him, they've 
pretty well indicated that. And like you may as well, but again, what are you going to actually get for a guy like that at this yeah. point? So uh, soon to be 30, whatever he's, whatever he is. I think on the service, it's an easy, yes, you just, you trade him, but then you'd look into it a little bit and it becomes really hard. I went through all the contending teams when I was doing my trade column. Now I'm need a first baseman. Right. And so then you're left with, all right, does anybody need a DH? And the only place I could find was Tampa, where they could actually, he would be an upgrade over Yandy Diaz at first base. So you're down to one team. You're down to Tampa. Um, they may actually, that may actually appeal to them considering he's a Florida guy, but they're not going to try to keep him long term. So they're going to treat him like a pure rental in the offer they make it back. And he might be the one guy who the qualifying offer is actually worth more than what they get. Plus the fact that I think the Cubs, thinking about this completely non-strategically, of they don't want to lose Bryant and Baez and Rizzo. Yeah. He's the most likely one they keep. And so unless they get something surprisingly valuable and then decide, you know what, we're just going to turn over to Ball Bunyan. Um, unless they get something they think is really valuable and they they try to do the thing where we're going to we're gonna call Riz at midnight the first day of free agency and try to woo him back. I just, I, I can't imagine he gets traded. I think that's, no. I think too many factors are leaning against them getting enough to make it worth it. And honestly, they shouldn't put this, this shouldn't be part of the equation, but it will be. They don't want to eat the shit they have to eat for trading. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I think even the Ricketts family knows how hard this, the fan base would take that one and how yeah. little we'd be able to stomach it. So Yeah, I just, I, I just, that's why I skipped right past his name. I guess another guy we should put on there, um, which is actually might be kind of an interesting thing, given what's happened over the last few days, would be Wilson Contreras. Yeah, Wilson's an interesting one, I think. I mean, I tend to say no kind of for the same reason as real just in terms of value he'll bring back to you but like i mean he's under control for what two more seasons no he's one a more season arbitration. yeah he's got he's he, they've got they control for one more year he's Every a guy they should be yeah. trying to work out a long-term right deal with i mean i don't know maybe he has value if someone sees him as a as a you know catcher corner outfielder down the road sort of thing i don't know I think he's probably – here's where the fact he's a catcher get, makes it tricky. I think right now he's probably the second-best defensive catcher in the National League. I think only JT Real Muto is better than he is, and he's younger than Real Muto. Uh, but he's a catcher, and he's a super athletic catcher who I don't know how useful he's going to be when he's no longer super athletic. So that also works against signing him long-term. The idea is this is the best he's ever going to be, but now we're going to wait and start paying him the year after he's the best he's ever going to be. That's not real smart. Um, but there are other things. They don't have another catcher. If they think they're not going to be terrible next year, they have to keep him. Yeah. Who the hell else? You know, Robinson Trinos literally got signed by Ed Lynch. That's how old Robinson Trinos is. He signed 21 years ago with the Cubs. <laughs> 21 years ago. And he's the backup. Um, now, yeah, they ought to be able to go out and find, you should be able to fill a hole at catcher, but I just think it's stupid. Now, here's the thing, that, though, that works against it. Um, I think one of the things, you know it's bad. When something gets so obvious that Matt Spiegel picks up on it, there's a real problem. And he was talking about something today that I think has been evident for a while, which is part of the problem with the post-World Series Cubs is that they didn't, they never really did have a leader. They didn't have one. They they fire they didn't fire him, but they fired Joe with the idea yeah. that they were going to bring in a manager who was going to be the leader. Because as cool a guy as Anthony Rizzo is, and he is, he's he does not have the personality to be that kind of kick kick a guy in the ass leader in the clubhouse. He's just he's not. And part of what Wilson went off the other night after the last the turn ended up being the last game of the first half was basically calling guys out for, in his mind, guys have stopped working hard. They basically have cashed it in and said, eh. And Wilson's like, no, that's bullshit. We're not going to do that. And he purposely brought Javi up because Javi had been made the example of by David Ross. You're never going to convince me that there's not the weird little click within that clubhouse where there's guys that Ross really won't get on. 
for all yeah. this bullshit about 100%. how he's not, he's not afraid to yell at anybody and blah, 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 blah. There are guys he still pals with. And one of the big problems we had was he, he even when the Rizzo thing about the vaccine came out, Ross's initial defense about it was, well, that guy's one of my best friends in the world. What the fuck does that have to do with it? Right. Why does that come up? That really shouldn't come up. So I kind of wonder if Wilson basically popping off is a Wilson being like, fuck it, I don't have anything to lose. If you guys ship me out of here, I don't give a shit. And I can see him being 100% the guy that just wouldn't give a shit in that sense. And also I think, I also think there's, and this is, I'm painting with a very broad brush right now, but the Cubs have that big, this is a huge, we should, I should, I, the brush is like the width of a, um, of a garage that I'm about to paint with. The Cubs have that big anti-vax thing, faction in the clubhouse. I don't want to stereotype, but typically those kinds of people would be ones who would not necessarily want to be led by a guy from Venezuela. So I think there's a lot of pushback to it. I think Wilson would gladly be the leader. And I think there are guys in the clubhouse who just won't listen to him because of that. I have nothing to base that on other than I think the, especially the bullpen, the Cubs have a bunch of rednecks. And I think, but I think every team has a bunch of rednecks, but I think it's a problem on a lot of teams where only where the guys who can be the team leaders, it gets narrowed down into this little, you got to fit, you have to fit, check all these boxes to get everybody to listen to you. And Wilson doesn't check enough of those boxes for the Cubs to listen to him. And I think he's the point now where he's just fed up with it. And he's like, I don't give a shit what the ramifications are. This sucks here. Yeah, that would make sense for him to be fed up. I think, I think that particular like division is not particularly would not be particularly unique to the Cubs clubhouse. I nope, think right. I think most baseball clubhouses can be boiled down to like guys that are. I feel like you're either extremely cocky, you're very in touch with Jesus Christ, or you're like not fluent in English. Yeah, I mean, there's a. The baseball hockey parallels. Well, the, one of the biggest things is those two sports, there's a huge number of your guys who are undereducated. Not just book learning wise, but some of the things that going to college, you know, kind of socializes you. You know, hockey guys, hockey players get into, you know, organizations when they're like, you know, they, they start playing juniors when they're like 14. And all they are surrounded by hockey players for the rest of their life. Baseball players, I always joke about this, the smartest baseball players are the ones who go to community college because they can get drafted after their freshman year, they can get drafted after sophomore year, and then they can go to a four-year if they want and get drafted again after their junior year. Yeah. Um, and so I do think you get a lot of morons who play these sports, for lack of a better term. And there are some really smart guys also that are mixed in with that, and they end up having to deal, they're outnumbered by a bunch of morons in their clubhouse or in their locker room. Football, I don't think it's as big a deal because most football careers are so short. You're just constantly cycling through teammates all the time. So I don't think it's as big an issue. Um, But it does seem to be that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of weird stuff that goes on in baseball clubhouses. Yes. Um, Okay. So you wanted to talk about, um, yeah, I wanted I'll to assign some, some blame, and that's actually a good segue with the the Wilson thing. So I think the last couple of years here, as this Cubs dynasty that wasn't sort of unraveled before our eyes, the a lot of the blame was allocated, deservedly so. It's kind of started with Joe, and then eventually Ross, and then obviously the front office and ownership, who all those parties clearly deserve heaping, heaping helpings of blame. I think at the end of the day, I mean, the players take the heat, take enough heat, like in the media and stuff. But like, how are they not ta- like? How are we not putting this on the players? Ultimately, at the end of the day, like, the the ownership wasn't the ownership wasn't the ones who went out and blew a whatever it was five and a half game lead in September of 2018 <laughs> and just didn't show up for you know the second half of 20 or the last you know month and a half, two months of 2019, whatever, and completely no showed a series against the goddamn Marlins in the playoffs last year. And I don't know. I mean. Like, yeah, like I said, there's blame to go around, tons of blame to go around to all the different parties. But, like, 
these guys just straight up didn't pan out and didn't produce and didn't perform when they had to outside of, you know, 2015, 16 in the second half of 2017 until yeah. the Dodgers series. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think players obviously deserve a bunch of blame. Some of them, some of the guys just didn't get better. They peaked yep. way too soon. You know, that was the the joy of the 2016 team was look how good they are and none of these so many of these guys aren't at their peak yet well it turned yeah. out they were they peaked right then and there like during game seven yeah. <laughs> they just it was downhill Quite literally um but i I do think the front office deserve i I think there's enough blame to go around um the front office deserves blame for one thing we talked about was they fell in love with their own players. They they yep. they, they refused to um, to take to to take a non jaundiced eye at their own prospects. They saw them through the lens of these are our guys, and you can't do that because they could have they could have avoided a lot of this by taking a few key ones and gotten nice returns for them. The other thing they didn't do was. They never replaced, and this sounds so stupid, that they, they could never figure out how to replace Dexter Fowler and Ben Zobrist. Yep. Those were not their two best players. They were like yeah. their sixth and seventh best offensive players. But they were different than the other guys. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they went so all in on the launch angle stuff, yeah. which, again, at the time, like, I, you can't really fault them. It clearly worked out for that brief stretch there. But, like, they developed literally, like, nine of the exact same hitter. Yeah. And then wondered why... Nine guys who couldn't hit velocity. So when they faced somebody like the Marlins in the playoffs, who would just bring in dudes who throw 98 right at the belt or higher, every Cub just swings through it constantly. Um, but then I think owner, uh, the, the, the garbage family that owns the team deserves a lot of, because they clearly changed, they pulled the rug out from under Theo. 100%. They had told him, okay, they gave him a nice, this nice rosy projection payroll-wise, which is why he gave Jason Hayward what he gave him. It's why they went out and traded for Cole Hamels. It's why they did these things. It's why they, it's why they signed you, feeling like we got him at a slight discount, and that means next year we're going to have even more money than we thought to spend on free agents. And sometime yep. during that season with Darvish, which must have been 18. 18, yeah. They got told, there's no more money. I'm sorry. You can't do it. That's shitty thing for the ownership to do, especially since we know it's completely unwarranted. But yep. then Theo, our Hall of Fame uh, president of whatever at the time, seemed paralyzed by that. You know, aren't you? You're the genius. Aren't you supposed to be able to figure out? Okay, this sucks, but we're we're going to figure it out. They never figured it out. Yeah, because his attempt at figuring it out was giving four million dollars to Daniel Descalzo or whatever yeah. it was. Because because he changed his launch angle the year before and had a career yeah. high home run. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, they literally went bargain shopping. I know we've talked about in this podcast before. The most frustrating thing to me was the the Cubs were ahead of the curve on the on the wrong, on the worst thing you could be ahead of. They were ahead of the curve on uh, budget tightening. The market went the free agent market went in the crapper right after the Cubs decided they weren't going to spend, which meant there were actual bargains out there to be bought. Yeah, and the Cubs were out had taken themselves out of all of it. And they couldn't round out their roster. And this this team, the, the if if you look back on the sixteen Cubs, they did so many things well. They they were a great defensive team. They had they had awesome starting pitching, except for you know Jason Hamill. They had a good bullpen. They had a deep lineup, and they had a really good bench. And Joe could mix and match and do whatever. And then three years later, they didn't have a bench. They had holes in the lineup. And they couldn't fill them with a. They couldn't bring somebody on the bench. They were going to go out and trade for freaking Daniel Murphy. Yeah. Um. And there, it was all because their their master plan, which was, we're going to draft college position players. They're going to have an immediate impact. While meanwhile, we're going to be developing all these arms. We're going to have so much pitching. It's going to be coming out of our ass. We're not going to know what to do with it. The college hitters are going to in, in twenty. In 2021, they're all going to become free agents, but we're going to have this super cheap pitching staff. We're just going to be able to pay all those guys. Well, it didn't work. I mean, even right now, this year has been a market improvement for them as far as developing pitching. Oh, yeah. It's it's still pretty underwhelming. 
Very, yeah. I mean, they've, they've, they've developed one starter, literally one starter. Adbert, who can't get left-handers out at all. Yeah, which seems like a bit to of To the point where the Phillies just filled their lineup with left-handers. Any <laughs> shitty left-hander they had, I'm surprised they didn't have like left-handed relief pitchers in the lineup just to stand there. Now, I think Adbert will be able to figure that out, but right now he hasn't been able to figure it out. Right. And, you know, I do think there's a good chance Justin Steele could be a good pitcher. I don't know about Keegan Thompson. Yep. Uh, but he's better than a lot of the crap they've been developing before. But that, this stuff was supposed to happen three years ago. It's not supposed to just be starting to – because not everybody, not, not, not all three of those guys are going to pan out anyway. Well, what if I told throw... you that by, uh, by baseball reference, wins above replacement, Keegan Thompson is the seventh most valuable Cub this year. Yeah. Yeah, I would tell you that's why the Cubs are 44-46. Exactly. Yeah, and third, tied for third. Um. So yeah, I think there's there's a lot of blame to go around. I also think though, I look at it now. One of the, the big laments you're going to get a lot of it is how was this team not a dynasty? How did they not yep. just go? Well, you could easily, if you want to make yourself feel better about it, you can look the other way, which is how close did they come to not winning anything? Oh yeah, literally a foot and a half. I mean, we we kind of joke about it now, but. There's a reason everybody was fucking panicked in the ninth inning of game four in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Because we'd seen it the year before against the Mets. They were going to go home, and we were going to be shitting our pants hoping they could score a run against Johnny Cueto. A, a single run, yes. Then they go play the Dodgers, and for two games, they don't hit at all. None. They don't get. They don't do anything. And they're down 2-1, to one, and we're like, oh, shit, here it comes again. And then... Thankfully, uh, Rizzo used uh, Matt Caesar's bat and Addison put on his underwear. And they started hitting and they win the pennant. And then they had a ridiculous three games to one comeback against the Indians. I mean, we think it's bad now that they only won one World Series. Imagine right. where we'd be right now if we were sitting here and they hadn't won any. They hadn't even gone to a, hadn't won a pennant. And they were pretty fucking close to not, to not winning anything. And it doesn't mean they weren't good. What it shows is in baseball... The, your windows get pretty tight pretty fast. Oh, yeah. And this whole idea that, oh, we'll get them next year, next year isn't guaranteed to anybody. Yeah, I think that's a, a great lesson just, like, for as a sports fan in general of any sport. And I think of, like, now for all the, the White Sox fans who I'm sure tune into this podcast, yeah. um, like, them. you got to – you absolutely just have to enjoy and embrace the, the moment that you're in. And you can't be thinking about how you're going to run a train on your division for the next decade or whatever because it – probably isn't going to happen realistically, no matter who you are. I mean, this idea that, um, you know, despite all the injuries, we're in first place. Boy, it'd be great if we could win it this year. But if we don't, look, we've got all this talent. This might be your only shot. Absolutely. It's it's probably not, but it could be. You should treat it like it is. Yeah. yeah, if you're Rick Hahn, you need to be super aggressive at the trade deadline because you basically have the Division One. And you've got a shot, and the, and the American League's going to be wide open. Yep. It might not be that next year. You may have a better team next year and realize, oh, crap. There's two teams we can't beat. And now we're stuck. Yep. Um, another good example of that would be, like, the Dodgers have been, ever since the Cubs knocked them out in 2016, the Dodgers have clearly been the best team in the National League. Yes. They have won World Series, and they won it at a neutral site during a pandemic after a 60-game yeah. season. You know, this idea then that, well, I can't, if the Cubs had just made this move and that move, they'd have won three World Series. Yeah, really? Yeah. Who else is doing that? Nope. Right. So, it's fun to argue things both ways. Yeah. Yes, I think it's, dis to me, it's disappointing. Not that they didn't win another World Series. It's disappointing. Obviously, you won one World Series. The disappointing thing is, once the Brewers ran them down in 2018, they they just folded really. Yeah, they just haven't been very good. No. I mean, and that's the thing again, like that's the put them like those guys, they just haven't been good enough or anywhere close to it for a lot of the time since then. Cuz I mean, I think and and now that but when they did get to the playoffs, it was so bleh. um I think you if we'd have been sitting here 5 years ago and said, "All right, the Cubs still only won the one pennant in the one World Series." You would assume in there there were some like gut-wrenching losses, like, "Oh god, they lost a game 7 in the NLCS to the Dodgers on yeah. a walk-off home run or they lost this or that." They didn't get any of that. 
We no. got they couldn't score against the fucking Rockies in a wild card game. They missed the playoffs altogether. Actually, it starts with they win the most ridiculous series against the Nats, which was great because it was dusty. Yep. Then they're completely non-competitive against the Dodgers. Just, I mean, they won a game, but yeah. it was basically a sweep. Yeah. The next year, they blow the division on the last day, and then they can't score against the Rockies. The year after that, they don't make the playoffs at all. They have a losing streak right at the end of the season, and they just miss everything. And then the year after that, they win in a freakish 60-game season. They play the Marlins, and they score one run. <laughs> so, to me, the, the disappointment isn't, isn't the results... It's how we got to the results. Because there haven't yeah, been yeah. these, like, fun playoff moments that, oh, and then, but then that happened and we fell short. It's just been a constant kick in the nuts every time they play a big game. It wasn't yeah, supposed to be that. a reminder way. of the failure. Yeah, no, exactly. Because I mean, we got spoiled in 15 and 16 when they won those games. You know, they go into the wildcard game and, they, and the Pirates are really good. We forget that because the Pirates are so dog shit now. Yeah, they were awesome. And the Cubs beat Garrett Cole and knock him off. And then they beat the Cardinals, which was great because it was the Cardinals. And then, you know, the, the games will cling to forever against the Giants and the Dodgers and the Indians. And then it pretty much ends right then. We do get the series against the Nats, which was more flukish than anything. Um, and then that's it. That, to me, is the most disappointing part, was that the run stopped. Not that we didn't get more pennants and World Series out of it, because that's not promised to anybody, but the run basically stopped three years too soon. Yeah. And I mean, it obviously could have been extended, you know, by, and that's where the blame shifts to the front office and ownership. Like it could have been extended with a, just a handful of like marginal moves, like around the fringes, yeah. which I think that's the frustrating part as a, as a fan, I feel like the only thing you can really ask for is to have a chance, like just have your team give you a chance, like show up. And they just didn't really for a lot of this. Nope. Okay, so now I want to do uh, I want to do a little role playing. Oh yeah. So let's see, because I've I've got my answer. I'm gonna grab the standings here. So let's say that you are a you're a Cubs player who's uh, who has a no trade clause, and and we know you're gonna be an attractive trade target, and Jed comes to you and says, um, and we hate to lose you, but we really think we're get, we're going into a, a rebuild, and you know, you don't need to be spending this part of your career on this kind of team. We'd like to we'd like to trade you to a contender. So let's say the contenders are um, they're the Red Sox, the Rays. Uh, I guess I don't know. I guess it, I don't feel like the Yankees are, and the Blue Jays have the same record. So it's hard right. to say it's the Blue Jays this year. Uh, the White Sox, the Astros, the A's, the Mets. Uh, I guess the Phillies and Braves, but I just don't see it. No. The Brewers and the Reds, and then the West teams, the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres. So if I'm Jed, and they say, give me give me a list, who's at the top of your list and why? My answer is strictly as a fan, um, but it's the, it's the A's. I mean, I've always rooted for them kind of as like my de facto AL team, and I think it'd be awesome to see them, you know, storm back and – take down the, the Astros who never really got their full beating uh, after the, the cheating scandal. And I mean, it's a, it's a fan base and a franchise that feels like they deserve it. Um, and then my, my runner up, my one B would be the Padres just cause kind of the same reason, um, like knock off the Dodgers and hanging out in San Diego for a couple months. Wouldn't be the worst either. I don't think. All right. That's a good. Solid answer. I'd be afraid of the A's just because I'd be afraid I'd be sitting in the dugout and the sewage would back up. Yeah, the sewage would that would be the deterrent. Um, okay, so uh, I'm going to the I'm going to the other side of the bay. Um, I would go to I would go to Jed and say, All right, you gotta you gotta trade me to the Giants. Um, for a lot of really important reasons. Um, number one, I've spent uh, I've spent a while now, but um, used to go out to San Francisco every year in December. Which I know is not baseball season, but uh, it was. I, I just thought it was a really cool town. They got a cool park. Oh. I like the uniforms. Not a big fan of the alternate, the fog uniforms. I don't know if you've seen those. They're a little I don't, creepy. I don't think I have. So they're mostly white. There's no black on them at all. They have an orange cap with the SF. They have the Golden Gate Bridge on one sleeve, and the numbers start to disappear as you go down to the bottom of them because the fog is coming up your uniform. It's a little creepy. Oh, yeah, uh, these are weird. 
Yeah. But I like the uniforms. I like the town. Um, I'd be rich, so I'd live in Sausalito. I'd live right across the, the bay. Um, I don't know how they're good, and I guess my concern would be I'd go over there, and all of a sudden we'd be like, oh, that's right, we suck. And we'd miss the playoffs, but I'd still be all right. Um, I, w- I would refuse to go to the Dodgers out of principle. I couldn't play for the Padres. Like, I'm not going to wear brown. I hate those uniforms. That's I know, fair. I know some people think they're cool. I just like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, let's see. Is there any other teams I would – I'm not playing for the White Sox. Fuck them. No. I'm not playing for Dusty, so no. Absolutely not. I'm not playing for the Mets or the Phillies no. or the Barbs or the Brewers or the Reds. So I, my list is getting my, – my prejudice is yeah. cutting my list down quite a bit. Narrows down pretty quick. I probably could go tolerate playing for the Red Sox, but I'd want to leave after the two months. Yeah, that's that's fair. Same with the Rays. Not because – for an opposite reason. Yeah. I would oh, just yeah. – I'm like, I'm not playing in the – actually, I don't think I could go there at all. I couldn't play in the trap. No. It just seems like it would suck. Play in front of a um, oversized retirement home. Yeah, so I'm pretty much uh, – it's Giants or bust for me. Also, I like their announcers, although uh, Dwayne Kuyper is um, – I don't know if he's coming back this year or not. He's been sick. Uh, so I picked for all the good reasons. Uh, good restaurants. I'm sure I could pick up... Uh, Nicholas Cage owns a bunch of houses there. It's part of the reason why he has to make all those terrible movies. He bought all this real estate and he and went up... I'm sure I could call Nicholas Cage and buy one of his houses off of him too. So that would be cool. All right, so there's that. Um, I guess the last thing is just, I guess we did talk about the Bob Nightingale thing, about how the the Jack Peterson signified uh, a sell-off. Do you yep. think, if they, if, if they somehow, say they won the next 10 in a row, do you think there that would be anything that would halt the sell-off? I do not. Yeah. I don't think it changes a thing. I don't either. I think, I think we, we talked about when we did this in June, the whole idea was they were fucking up the plan by winning. Yeah, and the plan this the losing streak gave the gave the team permission to execute the plan, and now there's nothing that can make it go the other way. No, I mean the Brewers' plane could crash into the Reds' plane. The Cubs could win ten in a row, and they're still going to try to trade as many of these guys as possible. So. It's funny because we. it's very unlikely that in any of these trades they're going to get back anybody who can help them immediately. And I don't know if they should be targeting anything like that. They, but, they say if they, but say they get, they get the offers they want and they trade Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and Kimbrell and they just decimate the bullpen. What the hell is going to be left? <laughs> That's part. That's actually part of my concern, is that they're looking at this and they're like, "Okay, we already couldn't sell tickets for the first, what is it like, six weeks of the season, yeah, or however long it was, and or we sold, we couldn't for the first few weeks, and then we could barely sell any. And we're finally up to full capacity, and we're gonna, this team is going to be so bad, we're not going to be able to sell any tickets the last two months of the season. I do have a fear that they will hang on to a couple of guys just to give the illusion. To the fans that there's somebody to come watch. Yeah, I can see and that. And even I, like, like for as, as much as I've thing. sworn off going back to that stadium this year, I wouldn't mind going once just to give my farewell standing ovation to the, the core. But, I mean, not worth it. Do you think they go as far as, say they, they don't get the deals they want? And so on the final day of the season, they start... You know, they start Rizzo at first, and Javi at short, and Bryant, he wants to play center field, fine, he can play center field. Do you think they go as far as to, at different points in the game, they bring them out? Like, they, all of a sudden, they send Patrick Wisdom out to play first base, Yeah, like and, a Rizzo, in the, and the Rizzo in the middle of an inning walks off the field and waves <laughs> at everybody, and then, of course, they send fucking Sogard out to play short, and Javi does it, and they send Hap to stumble out to center, and out comes Bryant. Um... I mean, I could see them doing that. I think that would be awful because basically what be you're saying horrible. is, we could we could retain all these guys. We could easily do it. We only have forty million dollars on the payroll for next year. 
We could pay all three of them exactly what they want, but we're not going to do it. But you guys should give them a standing ovation on the way out. I mean, it's not like the players don't deserve it, but the team certainly wouldn't deserve it. Right. All right. So, yeah, six weeks ago, I did not expect we were going to have this podcast. No. But we did. I also would have taken the over on whatever it was, 12 wins, whatever we said. Yeah. But little did we know. I'm going to check here to see if they traded anybody else. No. Oh, this they did do, though, uh, they did the thank you tweet to Jack Peterson. Oh, that's nice. Thank you for bringing good vibes and positive energy to the field every day. For three months. Yeah. Uh, we're never going to forget the Jack Peterson era. Thank you, Jack. Pour one out for Jack. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll do more of these as guys start to leave us. Oh, yeah. Farewell podcast coming coming soon. Yeah. Who knew we'd kick it off with Jack Peterson? Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Many of us have herpes. 